Behind the Bite podcast is part of a network of podcasts that are good for the world. Check out podcasts like the Full of Shift podcast, After the First Marriage podcast, and Eating Recovery Academy over at practiceofthepractice.com backslash network. Welcome to Behind the Bite podcast. This podcast is about the real life struggles women face with food, body image, and weight. We're here to help heal, inspire, and create better, healthier lives. Welcome. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. It's always great to have you here, So, and I really appreciate you listening. If you're new to the show, welcome. And if you are back listening, again, thank you for being here. You know, I don't know about you, but I feel pretty clueless when I walk into the vitamin and supplement aisle of a store. You know, there's so many brands, there's so many dosages, and so many options of the same thing. And I keep asking myself, like, how do I know which one's the best choice for me? Or do I even need any of them at all? So if I were to ask people if they would want to know exactly which vitamins and supplements to take so they would have optimal health and feel their best, I really think that most, probably if not all, would say yes. Okay, so I kind of have an idea about which vitamins are probably good to take, like maybe a multivitamin or calcium, you know, just to name a couple. But if I'm honest, I really do not have a clue, like I said, about like milligrams, you know, if I should take like five milligrams of this or how often or even when. Um, And I read articles, you know, and they say that, this one's really beneficial that would have a great impact on me or my health. And so sometimes I get really excited about like, oh, I want to go take that one. It says it's going to like give me this great health, you know, benefit. Um, And then I'll go look at it. And I'm really shocked about how expensive some of them are. And I start thinking like, gosh, if I get all of these vitamins, I'm going to be broke. Um, So I, I've always wished there could be a way for someone to just tell me exactly which ones to take from my body before I make a hefty investment in them. Um, And if there's something that my body's lacking, and if there's something that is worth taking that would make a significant difference in my health and my well-being, then I I really want to know, and I would consider taking it. So you may be asking, why am I talking about this? Well, I'm always trying to bring to you things that are, you know, going to promote your overall health and wellness. So when there exists something that can possibly help you do just that, I want you to know about it. I want to discuss what those things are and get as much information out there about all of the options you have to be in charge of your health and your body. And so there is a very new and innovative company out there that is using your DNA to find the right cannabinoid products to enhance your health and wellness. There is a lot people do not understand about the cannabinoid system. I know I'm saying that wrong. Um, And about the products. So I'm excited for this show today to help gain some more understanding, clarity, and to learn more about what this test is and how it's being used to match products to people based on their DNA. So they can know exactly what their body needs to enhance their health and well-being. So There'll be no guesses or wondering like what I've been doing in the vitamin aisle. So today we have the CEO of Endocana Health Incorporated, Len May. He's also a global public speaker, 
published author, and podcast host of Everything is Personal. Len has been featured in Entrepreneur, Bloomberg, Rolling Stone, Forbes, and PubMed. Okay, well, Len, welcome to the show. You know, this is a very uh, different topic than I've ever had, so I would just love it if you could tell us what it is that you do and more about your business, if that's okay with you. Yeah, no, for sure. And I appreciate you having me on. Uh, uh, I mean, what we what we do is we have a DNA company that uses your own DNA to guide you through a precision therapeutic experience. So the idea is that your genetics are sort of your roadmap. And the way that we approach this is to look at possible, I'll, I'll use an analogy of a GPS. So your DNA is your personalized leg GPS. It can show you where the potential potholes are in the road. It can show you where you have, uh, maybe there's construction, road construction, et cetera. So the idea is to mitigate or avoid those potholes in the road so you can have an optimal experience with your therapeutic health and wellness. And we do that by looking at your uh, genetics and by looking at making recommendations or suggestions that may help you avoid those possible adverse effects. And then uh, once you have, you know, your personalized supplementation, like if you have certain deficiencies in uh, your iron levels or something else like that, you can actually see that based on a certain protocol, we can then measure efficacy of how well that's working for you, or simply maybe have a conversation with the with a healthcare professional and say, you know, you have some deficiencies, uh, uh, you have some predisposition to iron deficiencies. Maybe it's not a, the best idea for you to do a vegan diet without supplementing, you know, for that lack of meat that you're not having because you have that predisposition. And we've seen people end up anemic because they've actually changed uh, their their eating habits without looking at their genetic predispositions and actually created that uh, epigenetic expression for themselves. Interesting, because I, I can imagine people maybe hearing the name of you know your business or kind of having ideas that, oh, is this about like marijuana? Is this about cannabis use? Like, you know, it, it's an interesting thing, right? People can have all sorts of ideas. So I'm actually curious, how did you come up with the name for your business? Yeah, well, so originally, and I, I have to give you some background on how I got mm -hmm. here, but originally, and I'll tell you what our patent is on. So okay. the, uh, the first patent that we received is using DNA to make recommendations associated with your endocannabinoid system mm -hmm. through a graphical user interface. And we also added machine learning uh, to that so we can uh, scale those recommendations. So I think people get really confused about cannabis and the mm -hmm. endocannabinoid system. It's an actual system that we have in our bodies. And one, it, and one of the main reasons probably people get confused is because it's only been discovered in 1992, barely taught in medical schools, but it's a primary regulatory system. And the role of the endocannabinoid system is to modulate the other systems and maintain homeostasis within our bodies. And the way that it does that, it gets signals from the other systems and sort of like salmon swimming upstream, it sends that signal through the central nervous system up to the brain. And the brain makes a decision, which endogenous means within, we create that ourselves, with endogenous endocannabinoids to uh, secrete. So it helps the other system get back in balance, like uh, the immune response. And the two endogenous endocannabinoids 
uh, that our bodies produce are anandamide. The word ana uh, anand in Sanskrit means bliss. So this is our bliss molecule. And we actually produce that on our own. And anandamide is released like uh, we get the runner's high if we're running and we have that, that experience. It's anandamide that's being pumped into our bloodstream. And the other one's called 2-AG. Now, if we are deficient in our own naturally producing uh, endogenous endocannabinoids, yes, there is a plant in nature, and there's only one so far that we found that has phytocannabinoids that actually have a binding affinity for receptors we already have within our, our bodies, our brain, and, and, our, and our other systems, that that actual molecule binds to your receptor and releases more endogenous endocannabinoids. So to give you an example, THC, which in medical cannabis, so that's what gets you that feeling of, as you mentioned, high or, or euphoria, that binds your CB1 receptors, which are located in your brain and central nervous system for the most part, and releases anandamide. Uh, CBD, if you're consuming CBD, cannabidiol, it has an affinity for the CB2 receptors, which are mostly located in your immune and digestive systems, and it releases more 2-AG. So if you find the right balance and you, you subsidize what you're naturally deficient in, then your entire endocannabinoid system is in balance and is helping to maintain homeostasis. So, you know, people might be listening saying, oh, you know, you're promoting the use of marijuana and THC and all of this. So, you know, what would you say to people that are thinking that right now? Like, oh, yeah, this is this is promoting. Uh, I'm not promoting the use of anything. I'm just uh, given the science behind uh, and everything is has peer reviewed assays associated with it. You can make your own decision on what to consume or not to consume. We mm -hmm. look at your your own endocannabinoid system and show you you may have a predisposition. I'll give you an example. Mm -hmm. So there's a somebody may have a predisposition to stress reactivity. Mm -hmm. That's nothing to do with cannabis, but it can have something to do with cannabis. So if you're predisposed to stress reactivity, uh, you are more prone to a stressful, uh, to having a, a prolonged stressful event uh, if you know, a car cuts you off uh, as you're trying to uh, cross the street. So what'll happen? So what'll happen is you have a response and that response, you know, we fight a flight response. You have a bunch of neurochemicals that are pumped in your bloodstream. You have some cortisol, you have some norepinephrine, you have adrenaline, you have dopamine. Now, when your brain realizes there's no lion chasing the jungle, it does two things. There's a reuptake of those neurochemicals and then your brain releases new neurochemicals to get you back to the balance, which happens to be anandamide and, uh, and 2-AG, more anandamide. So if you are prone to that stress, and there's a gene called FA, fatty acid amidhydrolase, and a homozygous, which is a uh, is the same allele combination of uh, is your genotype, you're actually metabolizing more anandamide than the average person. So you're producing less anandamide naturally. So if that's the case, that cortisol can stay longer in your bloodstream. And when it stays long in your bloodstream, there's a couple of things that it can do. Number one, it can actually make you uh, uh, lower your pH level, make, make you more acidic. And if that's the case, your immune system can over-respond to that. What do we feel? Well, we'll feel inflammation and that discomfort. Usually it starts in your joints, ankles, knees, hips, uh, elbows, neck, back, etc. 
So if you know this about yourself, and then if you have predisposition to gut health issues like IBD, you can start moving into your gut health and turn those switches on as well. Now, where cannabis comes in, as I mentioned before, if you have that deficiency, if you're not producing enough, well, you can subsidize with a little bit of phytocannabinoids. The trick is that if you actually take a little bit too much, it will do the opposite. It'll trigger the stress reactivity and make that person uh, you know, more stressed. And then if they have a PTSD gene, they can repeat that over and over and over again. So what we're trying to do is provide people a roadmap to if they choose to consume, and they don't they don't have to, but they if they choose to, they should know and be empowered with information of what their personal predispositions are so they can avoid those too. In addition to that, it's not only your uh, it's not only cannabis, it is supplements and vitamins and, and nutrients and all those other things. But I can I can tell you that if somebody who is as experienced in the field, if they uh, if they have this predisposition to homozygous fa, as I mentioned, stress reactivity, that's usually the person that says, I really can't consume cannabis because it makes me stressed. It creates mm-hmm. anxiety for me. So I know that in advance, and the, and the question would be, well, what are you consuming? And usually it's like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You should know what you're putting in your body. And maybe there's a, a way to be able to mitigate that. So you're not consuming a lot of these Psycho, psychoactive ingredient, and you maybe have a more balanced ingredient with uh, like CBD included in that. So, you know, as you were talking, I was just thinking like, you know, there's all these different strains and all these different ratios of CBD, THC, CBN, all these things that are coming out now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how do people, is, is part of what you're doing, helping people know if they want to take some of these things, like what? to take because it can get very confusing. I, I know people have said, you know, I'm, I went to like the dispensary and they told me to take this for sleep and this for anxiety and this for that. And um, I know people are very confused and it, you know, the research is very scarce in terms of like what works for what is this kind of what you're getting at? That's exactly it. So I have no issues with butt tenders, but I think it's a really strange sort of uh, environment to be in for somebody who's a novice. I mean, we work with a lot of older people too, and they come into a dispensary and a butt tender who works there will tell them, you know, take these gummies. Well, they don't know if they're a poor metabolizer. They don't know how it'll affect them. So yes, we're trying to use science to be able to guide people to cannabinoids and and terpenes that are better aligned with them so they can avoid that adverse uh, experience. So an example would be, based on your genetic predispositions, maybe look at something within a 20 to 1 to 4 to 1 ratio of CBD to THC, higher CBD, lower THC. And then the second part would that be is terpenes. Terpenes are essential oils, basically. All plants produce it. In cannabis, these terpenes produce a uh, an effect, and also they give it a smell. So for instance, there's one called linalool that is also found in lavender. It actually smells like lavender, and it's a very calming, not sedative, calming terpene. And there's one called a beta-caryophyllin that is found in black pepper and clove that is anti-inflammatory and has an affinity for the CB2 receptor. Uh, there's one that's called limonene. It's found in citrus fruits, but that gives you a boost of uh, that has a dopamine uh, affinity and a little bit of GABA as well. And those are found... I mean, what we used to call like sativa dominant hybrids gives you an up and like uh, indica dominant hybrids 
are, are very prevalent in a terpene called myrcene, which is sedative, and that gives you a doubt. So yeah, it's very confusing to go to a dispensary and look at all these different, uh, you know, ratios of cannabinoids. And as you said, CBN is, it's, it's a degradation of THC. It's not even a cannabinoid per se. It becomes a cannabinoid over time. So these are all the different, and because education is, is kind of sparse right now, we're trying to give uh, people science behind that. And then also, use certificates of analysis and test results from different products to run that through an algorithm and show people how closely a product matches their genetic predisposition so they can go and have, you know, a better, safer experience, uh, you know, in a dispensary. So I have several questions popping up in my head. So I'm just thinking of the audience and who's listening. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've identified there's genetic predisposition for eating disorders. So I'm actually curious, um, have you found you've worked with anybody or, you know, known of if these tests can identify if there's a genetic predisposition for eating disorders and if there's any way this can be useful to maybe the people listening here? Yeah. Uh, so when we met with the FDA, they asked us, what is the purpose of our test? Uh, we told them to help people either avoid or mitigate a possible adverse event. There's two things that they told us. Number one, we can't make any claims, but they loved the idea of what we're doing. Number two, we can't talk about a specific disease. Now, a healthcare professional can. So to answer your question, yes, we look at symptomatic conditions. So I'll give you an example. Impulsivity, and there's patterns to to uh, people who have some of these uh, conditions, there's patterns. So it's not just a single gene. It's impulsivity gene uh, associated with a gene related to slower metabolism, uh, a gene related to, you know, certain metabolism of different things like carbohydrate metabolism. Uh, there's also weight management genes. So yes, there are specific genes that are associated with that, but you have to get enough of a cohort and do something what's called a polygenic risk score, which has not been done in this specific space, but it has in other space like mental health, et cetera, which you get enough users uh, of a system, maybe ours, maybe something else. And then there's a Delta. So let's say out of, you know, thousands of people, they have these 10 genes in common, which actually resulted in the expression of this condition. And now we can give you a polygenic risk score that if you have these five, and we've done it for other things, now you're in the 50th or 60th or 70th percentile to be able to express, you know, that condition or that disease. So, you know, you were talking about like, you know, the stress and like, um, you know, prolonged cortisol and things like that. So I'm also thinking like more specifically with um, people who have anxiety or depression or, you know, something like that. So um, does it get that specific too with people who are struggling with like mental health issues, like depression, anxiety, things like that, where this could actually be beneficial and helpful? Yeah. So Right now, we're absolutely looking at the at the genes associated with anxiety and mood, so like stress reactivity, PTSD, slow rate of fear extinction, and on on the depressive states. Uh, also, response to social situations. There's all these genes, mood swings. These are all genes associated with that. Uh, 
we do have a mental health test that we complete. So right now, we just validate whole genome sequencing. So currently, our test uh, uh, genotypes about 675,000 genetic biomarkers and removing the 64 million, which will give us the entire genome and allow us to create these other types of reports. So the one for mental health that we just validated, uh, it's not out on public yet, but that one, first of all, looks at treatment-resistant depression. So, you know, there's a lot of people that get antidepressant medication. If they have a genotype that's resistant, then that medication may not work for them, but they still get the side effects from that medication. So that's the first thing. And then we look at binding affinity to different enzymatic pathways associated with uh, mood disorders. So like uh, we're looking at uh, GABA, we're looking at dopamine, we're looking at serotonin, we're looking at oxytocin and see what the binding affinity that for the individual are. And then uh, we can look at different drugs or different supplements, or even psychotropics uh, that may be better aligned with the individual for the symptomatic condition they have. And then from there, we look at the possible adverse effects of that specific psychedelic or psychotropic. I'll give you an example of ketamine. So ketamine is legal. It's prescribed for uh, different um, you know, depressive conditions, et cetera. And uh, but I, I was speaking to a, a doctor friend of mine in Florida, and we we're having a conversation, and then I heard some yelling in the background. And uh, she's like, comes back, says, I have to go, I have an emergency. Okay, calls me back. I'm like, what happened? Because uh, we had a, a ketamine patient that had a uh, an episode. I'm like, what do you mean? Well, it's an anxiety episode, maybe even psychotic in a way. It had a, a very adverse effect. And so does that happen often? said, not often, but once in a while. So I said, if there is a way that we can use a test to predict in, uh, in advance that this patient it will be coming in and may be prone to anxiety from the protocol uh, that you're administering with ketamine, would that be helpful? And what can we do? So yes, that would be helpful. What can we do? Well, we can administer a beta blocker or we don't have to do anything specifically with medication, but what we'll do is give this person additional attention, hold their hand through the process, uh, try to uh, you know, have a, a more personalized experience with that individual that's getting the treatment, and that way we can see this in advance. And th so the idea of our company is precision medicine, and it's always about like why do healthcare professionals, a lot of them, treat people identically. So why are you telling me to take two of these and you're telling you know my, my other friend to take two of these as well? Well, I metabolize differently than he metabolizes or she metabolizes. Maybe I'm a poor metabolizer. Maybe he's a rapid metabolizer. How, how do you know what my genetic predispositions are? And also, it's very important to know that there's drug interactions and supplement interactions. Mm -hmm. Certain things are inducers. Certain things are inhibitors. So the idea is that we will look at your genetics. We will even look at your epigenetics. So maybe like biological age as a factor and then be able to recommend a protocol and then measure to see if that biological age has reduced. So we provide a healthier uh, health span versus just lifespan. So that, that's interesting too. So if somebody is already taking medication, taking supplements, is what you're doing also taking that into consideration and maybe you might alter things or like say, oh, well, this, what we're suggesting might 
uh, interact with what you're already taking, or maybe what you're taking is actually impeding, like, um, or, or making things worse for you, or. Yeah, yeah it's exactly it. So okay. right now, we have a little bit over 200 different uh, prescription medications in our database that show that there's an interaction. It can be an inducer or an inhibitor, as you said. Mm -hmm. But what really is going to happen is because we're only looking at three enzymatic pathways. And I, I know it's like I'm getting geeky and talking about enzymes and stuff, but uh, I'll try to give an example. So in, in your endocannabinoid system, and how you're consuming phytocannabinoids, so that THC and CBD, there's three different genes. There's a series of genes called cytochrome P450. And these are really, really important genes. Everybody has these genes. And the cytochrome CYP450, cytochrome P450 produce enzymes that help us metabolize something. So there's a specific one for gluten. There's a specific one for lactose. And that's where people have sensitivities. Now, I'm not talking about celiac as, as a disease. I'm saying there's sensitivities uh, to that because you're genetically uh, predisposed to that. In addition to that, there's three specific ones for different cannabinoids. So there's CYP2C9, which actually metabolizes THC. There's CYP2C19, which metabolizes CBD. And there's CYP3A4, which metabolizes CBD and THC together. So why this important? method of consumption is very important. So if I'm a poor metabolizer of THC and I'm consuming an edible, let's say a gummy, which usually is an isolated molecule, well, what may happen is my onset will be slower. My experience may be a lot more intense and may last a lot longer. So the answer to uh, go back to the drug interaction, if the medication that I'm on, let's say it's warfarin or let's say it's an SSRI, and they're using the same enzymatic pathway to metabolize that drug, now you'll have an interaction with that medication, which is called pharmacogenomics, uh, how the drugs uh, affect your body and how they interact together. And that is what we want to uh, show people, that those drugs may interact. So if that happens, what do you do? Well, you talk to your pharmacist, talk to your healthcare professional, talk to one of ours, but maybe the idea is they'll consume them together at the same time consume your prescription medication, and then wait and stagger your consumption. Well, how long you stagger for can depend on how you metabolize. So that that's one of the things that we do as well. So let's say somebody has a diagnosis of, like you said, a disease or an illness already. Um, it, are these things that like maybe they get it? <laughs> Through you, they find out that maybe they've been misdiagnosed, or has that ever happened too? Well, well, I mean, through a doctor, we don't we don't diagnose people. It's not a diagnostic okay. device. But I've heard that. I mean, a gazillion times. Uh, th this is public knowledge. So I had it on my show Montel Williams as an example. Mm -hmm. So Montel Williams, or those of younger audience, look him up. Uh, that he's a, a talk show host and for. 30 plus years, but he was diagnosed with breast cancer. He had a mastectomy and he was misdiagnosed. Right. So this happens all the time. He didn't actually end up having breast cancer. This happens all the time. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, doctors misdiagnose often, but this does happen. So we, we don't use this as a diagnostic device. I'll give you an example, another example of how this is used in Brazil, for instance. 
So Brazil is a country that has prescriptions for cannabis. So a doctor sees a patient, they have a qualifying condition, whatever that is, it can be cancer, it can be epilepsy, it can be autism, it can just be, you know, pain or back pain or whatever that is. They write a prescription for cannabis. Then they recommend the endodna test so they can find out what type and how much to take. Once they get the results back, uh, we actually ship specific products to patients in Brazil in order for them to get their next prescription, they need to provide feedback on how that product worked and then they get their next prescription. So we're we're actually building a database, uh, like an observational study on efficacy. And that's how it works in, in Brazil. In the United States, it's different because every state is different, but different countries uh, you know, also use this in different ways. Well, that's a, a great question actually now. Like, so for states where maybe things are not legal um, versus states where it is. Like, how does that work? Yeah, so CBD or 0.3% THC or less is under hemp act. Uh, If it's hemp derived, it's legal to be able to sell and ship to all 50 states. So some people may not be able to get the you know products higher than 0.3% THC, which is fine, but they can get a product that's close. At least they'll have the same terpene blend or the same terpenes that they may be better aligned with. And they'll still get all the information about drug interaction and dosing based on metabolic function. So yeah, I mean, uh, the, we, we do not have a federal program. Now, the, you, uh, it was suggested that cannabis will be rescheduled to a schedule three. Now, once that happens, uh, now we'll have a federal program that allows healthcare professionals to actually write a prescription for cannabis. Questions come up with that is, okay, then where do you actually get it? Which doctor is going to write a prescription for, hey, you know, take three hits of this joint and, uh, you know, call me in the morning. It's not going to, it's not going to happen. So we're going to have to come up with ways, uh, you know, tinctures, uh, soft gels, what we take as a, like a medical food market or a supplement market. And I think uh, maybe dispensaries will not be the best place to be able to receive your medicine. Most likely they have levels of THC that are going to be, you know, pharmaceutical grade that you have to get to a pharmacy. And then other ones, maybe there's like a craft brewery type of thing. But that's the direction that the industry is, is heading in, in. Whether I agree with it, I, I'm not a I'm not in favor of uh, rescheduling. I'm in favor of descheduling and I'm actually having a federal program of testing. So the idea is if if I'm going to a vitamin uh, shop and I'm going to get my multivitamin, well, it doesn't matter if I get my multivitamin in California or I get it in Pennsylvania, it should be identical. And all the test results and every ingredient should be on there. We don't have that in the cannabis space. And that's uh, you know a major issue for us not to be able to kind of rise above and see this as a, as a real therapeutic product. I'm just trying to imagine what people listening might be thinking or what might be going on in their minds, you know, just putting things out there because I'm people who are listening, aren't able to ask these questions. So um, just kind of anticipating, you know, things that maybe even you've been asked before, I'm not sure, but um, what are some questions you typically do get asked? Well, I think people are confused about the endocannabinoid system. Mm-hmm. I think people are, as you asked, I just was talking to somebody, they asked, well, so your test recommends the best weed for me. 
And I'm like, absolutely not. That's, that's not what we do at all. But there is a profile that comes out that actually, uh, that actually is more aligned with you so you can avoid those adverse experiences and maybe have a, a better experience uh, if, if you want to. We, and we're not recommending uh, cannabis in any way. We're just saying if you do choose to consume, you want to know what you're putting in your body and you want to do it safely and responsibly. In addition to that, it goes above and beyond just cannabis. Not only your endocannabinoid system, like I said, but as we're moving the whole genome, you're looking at things like skin. So what predispositions do I have to skin conditions? So what type of topicals are better for me, which are going to be uh, inflammatory? Uh, also, we're going to be implementing things like microbiome, and which is extremely important. When I did my microbiome test, uh, one of the things that came back, uh, among many other things, it said to me that bell peppers are an inflammatory food for me. Well, what does that mean? I mean bell peppers are healthy. They're a great source of vitamin C and this, et cetera. For, but for me, my gut microbiome is gets inflamed if I eat that because it's not I'm not producing enough of a uh, microbiome with an enzyme that's actually metabolizing bell peppers efficiently. Who would know that? This is a personalized experience. Each and every one of us needs to be treated in a way that our own health and wellness is specific to us. So maybe right now, today, we can create personalized uh, therapeutics, personalized medicine, which is precision, which puts people in a bucket. So you have a genotype that's similar to uh, a thousand people that have the similar uh, genotype. This protocol of vitamins, supplements, nutrients, hormone optimization, this worked for you. So we will make a recommendation uh, or machine learning algorithms will make a recommendation to do something similar. Now, at some point, it's going to be individualized medicine. And for that, genome, epigenetic, blood work, everything. And then you can have your own personalized nutrients delivered 3D printed for you that are specific to you, which will be measured uh, efficaciously how well it's working. There's uh, things like nanobots are doing that right now, not to scare people, but in Israel, they have nanobots they inject and they can actually monitor what's going on in, in your Boy, body. That's a whole different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but that that's that's the direction we have right now we can make. So I when the first time I had COVID, for instance, <clears throat> I, I took like 14 different supplements and I would record myself every day uh, and put myself in social so people uh, can see what I'm taking and what's going on with me for days. So just kind of maybe be less fearful. But now I'm able to have a capsule that has all those 14 supplements in one capsule that's created for me personally. That's the direction that you know we're heading as a company, and that's the direction where you should want to have those conversations with our healthcare professionals. So it's like, why? What is personalized to me? Why is it this and not that? Why are you telling me vitamin? How much vitamin D? What am I actually deficient in? Can I give one one more example of uh, a personal test? So uh, I went to get my physical last year. And, uh, you know, I go to a functional medical professional, concierge medicine, and uh, did, they did all my blood work. By the way, I don't do really well with blood work, even though I'm tattooed and I'm not afraid of needles, but blood really freaked me out. So um, during given, uh, you know, getting my blood drawn, 
I may have started slipping down the couch as they were taking my blood. So I hear, I didn't pass out, but I hear somebody's calling for another nurse to come in. And they're like, hey, did you let, let us give you some juice and stuff? I'm like, oh, okay, okay. All right, so we're going to continue. I'm like, what do you mean continue? Well, we have to stop because we thought you were going to pass out. So, okay, great. They did that. Come back with my results. Everything is great, except my blood sugar level was a little high. So I'm talking to my doctor. I'm like, I, I don't eat meat. I, I, I don't eat sugar. I, like, I don't understand. He said, well, it could be from stress. I'm like, interesting, because you have cortisol levels and increase your blood glucose levels, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, okay, well, blood, a blood test captures a moment in time. That's it. It just captured that moment in time. So she said to me, if you want, if you're really concerned, you can get a glucose monitor and wear it for a few weeks and see. So I did the same thing. She wrote me a prescription. I put a glucose monitor on the back of my arm and walked around with an app. And I could see which foods actually increase or decrease. My blood sugar level was actually normal within normal range. But because I was so stressed during my blood test, it actually spiked it. So how many people go into a blood test and just capture a moment in time get a full protocol from a doctor that says, hey, you should take this and this and this, and then not following up in you know a few weeks or something like that to see if that blood work is still the same or not. So if especially if we only do one annual physical. Well, I always have problems with labs anyway, especially with the population I work with, because you know, I, I know a lot of my patients, you know, especially eating disorder patients are not physically well. And labs, it's always a mystification. I talk with my colleagues, labs always come out fine. And, you know, it, it gets a false sense of, oh, I'm fine. Um, and that's always detrimental too. So uh, I always say, you know, with labs, take it with a grain of salt, it's a snapshot in time, right? So. Exactly. It's a snapshot in time. And, and I think if I were to, if somebody were to ask me, I would say like, listen to your body. Like we, we lie to ourselves all the time, but we know if something doesn't feel right, well, there's something going on. And because you have a pain somewhere inflammation, so it's a signal. It's telling you something is causing that. And too many times in, in medicine, in Western medicine, we go and address what's happening. Oh, you have a pain in your elbow? Let me let me shoot it with a, a shot. It will block the, the pain so you don't have to feel it. Well, I want to know why I have a pain in my elbow. And I, you know, I've I've been to more holistic and medical professionals and, and people who practice Eastern medicine. Sometimes something that's on your foot is actually affecting how your liver is functioning in reflexology and all those other things. So we, we have to. We have to be open-minded and we talk about cannabis. Oh, it's a drug. Well, really it's been used for thousands of years. We have a system, we have receptors. And if and there's through evolution, thousands of years of human evolution, there's a lot of things that we may have had receptors for. They're no longer there. We don't need them. But cannabis receptors are still there. We evolve with the plant. So there's a reason for us still having that as human beings, as our evolution continues and the plan to be there. And just because in the last, you know, hundred years or so, uh, a little bit less, we have prohibition that, that inhibited our ability to get the plant. What happened before that? 
And, uh, you know, I definitely feel that certain diseases uh, are on the rise because we naturally stop consuming our supplements of phytocannabinoids that we may be deficient in ourselves. So those are some of the things that, uh, you know, we need to start looking at as a population and uh, looking at, I was in Brazil, there are so many Amazon herbs that we don't have here that people are using to heal themselves for generations, for hundreds and hundreds of years. So it doesn't, and if you think about pharmaceutical, and I'm not anti-pharmaceuticals, I'm just saying that most of those are isolated molecules that derive from plants anyway and synthesize and recreate it. Uh, but when you synthesize an actual molecule, there could be some adverse effects associated with that. So we provide black box warnings, uh, you know, as a pharmaceutical product, and uh, then pass the FDA. As long as it's under a certain threshold, you know, you have a product. But a lot of those came from plants anyway. So, real quick question before we end: I'm curious. So, how do you, how do people get this DNA analysis done? Like, how do you? I mean, is it through something like 23andMe, where they're doing a spit test, or how does this happen? Yeah, absolutely. So it's uh, you go to website uh, endodna.com or you can get it at your doctor's office or retailer. It's a kit, very similar as you said to 23andMe, except it's not a spit, it's a buckle swab. So it's a big Q-tip. You swab it into your cheek, you register because we're HIPAA and GDPR compliant. So if you do not register and ship that kit, we will not know it'll be destroyed and we'll not know that the DNA belongs to you because everything is anonymized. So you have to register and that's de-identified. So we, yes, we're gathering data, but we're not get, getting Len May's personal information. We're mm -hmm. just getting a number that's associated with me. Uh, and then you ship the sample to our lab. It'll take two to four weeks to get your results. Uh, you then, there's a, our portal is called mydna.live. You will log in, it'll give you a timeline. So, you know, samples reach lab, it's been extracted, it's been genotyped, now it's ready and you can log in and see your results. The other way that you get DNA information is you mentioned 23andMe. So we can take 23andMe data, uh, Ancestry.com, Family Tree DNA, any other DNA test that you may have already taken. You don't have to swab. You can just take your raw data that looks like a, like a big spreadsheet that you would download from 23andMe or Ancestry. You would upload it to our portal. We'll translate that and provide your report in 30 seconds or less. Okay. okay. And so what do people do with the data once they have it? Yeah, so there's a couple of things. Everybody gets a complimentary concierge call with a care counselor that'll help them uh, review the report, make sure they understand what it means and, uh, and how to go over the report. Uh, and if they need to speak to a healthcare professional, in addition to that, they can see their genetic predispositions and it's actionable. So there are recommendations specifically with symptomatic conditions on product or ratios of cannabis and terpenes that may be more aligned with you. And then it takes you all the way through, you know, like I said, dosing metabolic function uh, ratio, and then it takes you to a marketplace where we use certificates of analysis of test results from different products. We run that through our algorithm. We show you how close that product matches the suggested ratio. And then we geofence that uh, based on your location. So if you're in a legal state, here, here are some products that may be a more of a line match for you. And then also uh, CBD products, you can actually get them shipped to any, anywhere in the country. But at the very least, you know what your secret sauce is. 
you know how much you need to dose. So you can go into a dispensary if it's cannabis related, and you can go in and, and actually find a product that, that matches uh, your needs better. So this is something like this, um, I guess, affordable to like the general population, or is this something that's like, oh, <laughs> only certain types of people in a demographic can afford to do something like this? Uh, so it, the, it, the kit retails for $199. Okay. The raw data upload retails for $49.95. Um, I'm happy to give a code to your audience, Len, L-E-N 25, to get 25% off if, uh, if anybody wants to do that. But I, I think an investment in your own personal health and wellness to understand your genetic predispositions, I don't know. Yes, and I understand some people have, uh, you know, monetary challenges and all that stuff, but $199 for a test that, that shows you that, I think it's a pretty good investment in your health and wellness. And it, especially if somebody's already taken, you know, their ancestry to find out who their cousin, you know, twice removed is. Now you already have that data. What do you do with it? Well, you can repurpose it for, you know, a very, very small investment and actually get an actionable report from that. Even if you want to know what your nutrient and vitamin deficiencies are, even if you want to know what, you know, mental health uh, predispositions uh, you have, or even if you just want to know what type of metabolizer you are. I think there's a value there too. Well, Len, this has been very interesting. And I think, um, you know, lots of people probably are going to be having lots of questions. And um, certainly, you know, like Len said, all the information to get on his website are going to be in the show notes. And thank you for the code for the discount for people who want to go over there and uh, get their analysis done. I really appreciate that. Uh, any last final words before we end? I'm very accessible. So reach out. You have questions. I love doing this stuff. I love going over, you know, people's results and just love helping people as much as possible. And, you know, my my belief has always been my grandfather uh, had a bunch of strokes and he would sit there with my grandmother. He, he, he wasn't verbal anymore because one of his strokes took out his speech. So he'd just make grunt noises, could barely walk his right side. And they would sit there every month with bags full of pills, trying to talk to the doctor to see what interacts with this. And every once in a while, you would go in the hospital, you would do because there was an interaction with all those things. So I, my goal is to say, we are all individuals and we should be treated as individuals when it comes to our therapeutic needs. And just know yourself, start with your genetics, look at your epigenetics, and start with having a, a healthy approach to life that's personal to you. And if you understand those things and you understand where your deficiencies are, I think you can be on a path to better health and wellness. And understanding that you, know, you have a genetic predisposition to something is never an excuse for anything. It is your lifestyle can actually determine the epigenetic. That's the one thing that I hear all the time. It's in my genes, nothing I can do about it. And I just want to use this last analogy. When we're born, we have our 50% of our genes from our mother, 50% from our father. Some of them think of it as like a bunch of on-off switches. Some of them are turned on. So the ones that are for our hair color, eye color, skin color, all those things turn. Some of them are dormant. And our lifestyle, how we live, can determine whether that switch is going to be turned on or off. Some of them, 
we want to turn on. Some of them we want to keep in the off position. But without knowing which ones they are, we don't know what lifestyle choices to make in order to be able to, you know, consume uh, correctly. All right. Thank you so much. Lots to think about. Really appreciate you being here. Thank you. Likewise. This podcast is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered. It is given with the understanding that neither the host, the publisher, or the guests are rendering legal, accounting, clinical, or any other professional information. If you want a professional, you should find one.